Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Janine. We are the hosts of We, we Art Here. Here. We talk about art. Keep listening. Hello, We Art Here podcast listeners. I am very, very, very excited about this episode. I was able to interview the amazing Lakota artist and hoop dancer extraordinaire, Star Chief Eagle, where we talk about hoop dancing and her overall experiences um, being an artist and growing up. And I really enjoyed the conversation we had. I learned a lot from her and I hope that you all learn as well from listening to her Um, and I am just very grateful that she was willing to give of her time to be interviewed. Uh, I would like to say that I was able to meet Star Chief Eagle in South Dakota at the Crazy Horse Museum where she performed a hoop dance. Okay, I hear the drum beat starting, so let's get into the episode. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to be interviewed for the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here. Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> yes, um, I had never, I didn't even know what hoop dancing was until I was at that, um, at that, at your performance at the Crazy Horse Memorial. Oh, sure. So to start, uh, could you give a brief uh, introduction of yourself and explain hoop dancing a little bit for listeners? Sure. So my name is Star Chief Eagle. I am a Lakota artist as well as hoop dance extraordinaire. I am a member of the Rosebud Lakota Sioux Tribe, or as I would say, I am Sichangu Lakota of the Ocheti Shakongwe. Um, I currently live in Rapid City, South Dakota, but I did grow up within Rapid City as well as the Pine Ridge Reservation. I'd also like to take this time to introduce myself in Lakota language as well. I said, hello, my Lakota name is Brave Star Woman. My English name, my first name being Star and my last name being Chief Eagle. And again, I am a member of the Rosebud Lakota Sioux Tribe from Rapid City, South Dakota. They want to thank you all very much for allowing me to share a part of my culture with you. And Midakuyapiyasi is how I ended my greeting. And I just wanted to greet you all as relatives. This is a very important part of Lakota culture. And it's a very important part of the hoop dance. Um, In portraying the hoop dance, what I am representing is all different relatives that exist around us, whether that be the two-legged relatives, the four-legged, the winged, the rooted. The concept of a relative can be very different depending on who 
who we are talking about. And typically in American society, a relative may be considered someone who's blood related to you, maybe like your mom or your dad or your uncles or your aunties. But in Lakota culture, we want to try to view everybody as a relative and we want to try to treat everybody as a relative. And what that means is that we're going to treat others with respect, with kindness, with care. We're going to lend out that helping hand. We're going to try to take care of each other. This is our view on other people and this is our view on the world. We believe in interconnectedness. We believe that we do have power within ourselves. Through our actions, through our words, we have the power to affect others in either a positive or a negative way. That's the same thing with the world. So we wanna make sure to take responsibility for that. Wanna make sure to move forward in a life in a positive way. So when I perform the hoop dance, it's not to be confused with hula hooping. It's a very different style of dance. And with my hoops, what I do with them is I represent many different animals, shapes, creatures, different designs. I use my hoops to tell a story. But again, representing those different relatives in nature, it's representing balance, it's representing unity, and it's also considered a healing style of dance meant to uplift the spirits of people, meant to make us feel better. And maybe you're having a bad day, you know, maybe you're going through a tough time. If I were to do a hoop dance for you, you know, my hope is that that would affect you in a positive way. Therefore, it could be considered you know, a form of healing. Um, I have been hoop dancing my entire life. So something that was passed down to me by my family. So it's always been a part of my everyday life ever since I was a baby. So it's really a privilege um, be able to share that with those around me. And I fully take that responsibility on my shoulders that, you know, in giving and being given a gift, such as this form of dance, you know, I feel that that responsibility is be able to share that gift with those around me. Thank you for um, introducing yourself as well as the type of hoop dance that you um, perform. Is, is that the right word to say perform or? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so, um, and on your website, uh, which I'll link in the description for people, but um, I know it says that you've incorporated your own style of hoop dance along with uh, your father's teaching. So could you explain a little bit of what that's like? Absolutely. So there is a great influence that I feel like my father has made on my family when it comes to hoop dancing. And the same thing could be said true with many other families out there. Now, hoop dancing was considered a lost art amongst many different tribes. You know, we do have a significant cultural loss, a significant language loss, unfortunately, but we are starting to see people who are working as individuals to rebuild the culture. Know, to work to piece it together to bring these things back. So something that I've often thought about is that my what my father did for my own family. You know, he wasn't necessarily taught hoop dancing when he was growing up. It wasn't until he actually saw a hoop dancer at Seven Falls in Colorado Springs when he was 13 years old. He decided then and there that he wanted to learn this form of dance and he wanted to be able to share that with those around him. Now, he still does hoop dance, even still today, but with his lifetime of practicing that hoop dance, he has won a world hoop dance champion competition. You know, there are certain designs that he's created, you know, certain dance moves 
that he taught to me and to my brothers, to my sisters. So in everything that he taught us, a lot of times, you know, he's that foundation. So I acknowledge that and, and I feel very grateful for that. You know, maybe I would have never become a hoop dancer if it weren't for him, you know, making that choice to learn more about his culture in this way, learn more about this dance style in particular. Now, there is a very special move that I do during my hoop dance. Um, I do a design that looks like a tail or a bridge or a ladder. This design was actually created by my father, Dallas Chief Eagle. He brought this hoop dance design to the World Hoop Dance Competition, and he took first place that year with this new design and no one had ever seen before. So I still hear that today. Sometimes I'll be hoop dancing and maybe someone comes up, they've seen hoop dancing before and they'll recognize that design. They'll know that, hey, are, are you related to Dallas Trifigo? And I say, yeah, yeah, that's my dad. And so um, I guess you mentioned that your dad's design. So since it's sort of like a traditional type dance, I guess it, it would kind of be like, any other type of dance where you know pe people incorporate their own moves. So is it pretty normal for people to, I guess, come up with their own like special design or does that kind of take a really long time to develop and present? So a lot of different designs are passed down and have been passed down for several generations. But there certainly are designs that are created by family members who have passed down within their own families. So sometimes what you'll end up seeing, if you're familiar with many other hoop dancers out there, is that you might sort of notice similar designs amongst families because maybe there are certain designs that were created by family members and then passed down. And even still today, people are still creating new designs. The very special thing about hoop dancing is that every hoop dancer is different. They have their own style of dance, they have their own dance steps, and they have their own designs and story that they are sharing. And then also on your website, I know it mentions how uh, the hoop dance encourages values like respect, creativity, determination, and self-balance. Could you explain maybe like a few of those values, how that's expressed through the hoop dance? So I'm coming to a point in time when I really like to share my cultural knowledge and my experience as a hoop dancer with my own community. This is something that I often thought about is who am I gonna be working with? Now, I hope to look for individuals who you know, are self-determined that this is something that they want because I certainly don't want it to be a thing that I'm pushing on them. I certainly don't want it um, to be something that, that I'm making them do. Um, so in a way, you know, they have to have that self-determination to be able to learn a skill such as this. You know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication that goes into that. And with creating their own hoop dance routine, they are using their own form of creativity and expressing that through their own dance. Now, with respect, Again, going back to the meaning of the hoop dance, hoop dance does represent balance, does represent unity. You know, in believing what we do does affect others and does affect the world. You know, if we're not taking that lightly, you know, we're trying to remember to have respect for others. Now, I was taught that the first hoop that we dance with, you know, that represents ourselves. 
And what we're taught is we have to treat ourselves kindly. We have to treat ourselves with respect and we have to be good relatives to ourselves before we're able to make those positive connections with others. So again, with representing that respect, creativity, determination, and self-balance through those through that dance routine. Also, uh, on the website, it states that you um, started hoop dance, and you mentioned it in your introduction, how hoop dancing was really a part of your life from the moment you were born. So uh, what was it like being surrounded by hoop dancing when you were growing up? Were there a lot of people, um, I guess, around you that were also doing it? So hoop dancing is a very rare form of dance. So there's not that many other hoop dancers out there. Now, I certainly always remember hoop dancing as being something that was very special to me. I always felt um, really privileged, really proud, really happy to be able to um, have those kinds of opportunities. Um, I did go to public school. You know, a lot of times I didn't get the opportunity to express my culture there. You know, a lot of times I felt like I didn't have a, a voice there, but I always felt that when I had an opportunity to dance, you know, that was a way that I could express myself and that was a way that I could take part in my culture. That was something that was very positive in my own life with my father being a hoop dancer and he him also a storyteller and and presenter and educator as well you know i got the chance to travel around with him when i was a child so he'd take me along for performances and we've really traveled um, all over the country and even sometimes we went to other countries out there too so there are hoop dancers that are traveling across the world so really an amazing opportunity to be able to do that Again, if I never would have had hoop dancing you know, brought back into my family, if that's something that I never would have learned, then I wouldn't have never had these kinds of experiences. Um, what I will tell you is that there is some negatives you know, to having um, this kind of, of life as well. Um, I feel like when I went to school, schools weren't always accepting of letting me miss school for cultural reasons, such as this, you know, doing performances. Um, so it was so bad to the point to where I was in high school and, um, you know, I was making really good grades, you know, I was making A's, I was turning in all my work, um, but in missing school, I was actually held back a year, which I actually graduated on time because I was supposed to graduate a year early. So um, I felt like that was something negative that happened in my life, but looking back now, you know, I feel like everything's, you know, meant to happen for a reason because you know, where I'm at now, I'm doing what I love. I'm sharing my hoop dancing, um, you know, taking part in my culture, sharing that with others. You know, who knows where I would be if I graduated early. I graduated early, maybe I went to college, maybe I would take up a job that, you know, wouldn't bring me joy that I really didn't have passion in. So I really believe in, you know, everything happening for a reason. Um, Another negative thing as well is that being a hoop dancer and being a child and being different than a lot of other children out there, you know, it can be a scary thing. You know, it can, especially maybe showing up at a powwow, a gathering, a celebration where there's other dancers there and being the only hoop dancer there, that can be a scary thing, you know, but growing up older, you know, I took pride in my difference. I was given the name Brave Star Woman. And I believe the reason why I was given this name is that 
brave or hippica in our Lakota culture, what that means is that we may have fears. You know, for example, I'm, I've, I've been afraid of crowds, public speaking. I've been afraid of, um, you know, dark, murky waters. I've been afraid of heights. I've been afraid of creepy, crawly things, spider snakes. Um, but I don't let those things hold me back from doing what is right. I don't let those things hold me back um, from walking my own path. So in acknowledging that and pushing past those fears, you know, and now I'm, I'm sometimes speaking to hundreds of people being able to do that. I feel like that was, I that's why I was given this name, Brave Star Woman, because I'm willing to share that, even though it could be a scary thing to do. With school, I guess when they, when you were, I guess, held, held back kind of, did you have like, you know, that same like positive outlook in that moment or? Were there moments where you were, you know, really angry or frustrated about it? I was really frustrated at the time um, because I had all these plans for myself. Um, in my mom's family, we don't have anybody who's ever been to college. So that was something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to, you know, get through college fairly quickly and, and graduate fairly quickly. You know, it was always about time, you know. I wanted everything done. I wanted to you know, have a successful job. I wanted to be able to provide for myself and give back to my family. Um, but again, I feel like everything now, now that I understand where I'm at now, I do feel like everything happens for a reason because now I'm able to do something that I love, something that I do have passion in, you know, that I have joy in. So I really truly feel blessed that you know, things turned out that the way they did. But during that time, you know, I was, I was feeling very discouraged. Was there anything that you did uh, or that you've done recently, like looking back that kind of helps you instead of like thinking about it in like uh, in a more negative light and seeing it, you know, now is like everything happens for a reason. Is there any advice you could offer people who like it in reflecting? Yeah, I, I think that we're always, thinking about getting things done not at a certain time we're always comparing ourselves to other people and their timelines and and sometimes it works out for us in other ways and that's okay you know the same thing with college in attending college for the first time I really did struggle because I didn't come from a family that really knew a lot about how to go through that process you know applying for grants um, I really didn't have extra income for college, so I was always I was always, I was also working another job. Um, in my first year of college, what had happened is that um, my car broke down, and I was worried: How am I supposed to get to college? How am I supposed to get to work? What are, What are my priorities? My priorities is well, keeping a roof over my head, providing for myself. So I went chose to go to work instead of going to school. So I actually dropped out my first year of college. Um, and that first year of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. You know, and it wasn't until a couple of years later was when I had a better sense of direction when I knew, hey, I want to learn more about my culture, my people, my history. So with having that sense of direction and going back to school, I feel like the second time around, I was able to be successful. And I feel like with going through that experience and with failing that first year of college, you know, I was still able to graduate college with a GPA of, I think, 3.6, you know, so I feel like if I was able to do that, 
you know, in my own timeline, I feel like that's, that's, you know, enough for other people to maybe do the same. You know, it's never too late, you know, to, to try again, to start again, to pick a new path. Um, so, I, and you mentioned storytelling a little bit. So what are your thoughts about like using storytelling as a, or storytelling being considered an art form, um, whether it's dance or writing or, um, you know, variety of ways? I feel like artwork has a great deal to do with creativity. You know, when we're able to creatively express ourselves, I feel like the result of that, you know, is considered artwork. So we're able to do that through many different forms. And one of those forms, maybe being through our words, maybe being through a story. Now, where in my hoop dance, I turn that story into my hoop dance routine itself. So it actually does have special meaning. My hoop dance routine does represent my entire life from my first hoop representing myself as a baby, different animal shapes, creatures representing the different stages of my life. You know, yes, there were, um, you know, problems that I've had to overcome over time. You know, there were times of difficulty, but in where I've ended up today and having all my hoops, I'm expressing, you know, my joy for finding myself and finding my own path. So, that's how I creatively express myself, you know, through storytelling, through my dance. When you create your um, dance or when you're, I guess, the process of um, coming up with it, I guess, do you write, write, you know, your story out and then like create a dance from that? Not necessarily. Um, I feel like sometimes there's extra steps that other people will take, you know, writing their story down. Uh, but for me, it's just something that came to me more naturally. And it's something that I was working on for quite a long time. And I've been improving over the course of a lot of time. And even still today, I improve that hoop dance too. Um, something interesting as well about my hoop dances, yes, it has special meaning to me. Yes, I'm telling my own story, but other people, it's not always going to come across the same way. So again, I feel like acknowledging that you know, as individuals, we do have differences, being respectful of those differences, different ways of thinking. You know, anybody can express, you know, can interpret the hoop dance in their own way, as long as they do that in a positive way. You know, again, hoop dance is about, about uplifting people, bringing people together. I think that's a really uh, great attitude. I know a lot of, well, maybe not a lot, but I know there are some, you know, different artists in various forms who kind of get upset when people don't get their exact meaning from whatever it is that they created. Um, but I mean, if people are pulling something from it, that's, that's positive. Like you said, I think, I think that's, I mean, I feel like whenever you put something out there, you know, it's, do you consider it like kind of, well, that doesn't make sense. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I know you also work with at least jewelry. I bought some earrings. Um, so I know you work with making that and also like clothing too, right? And even like shoes or just? 
Um, so I try to, it's not, I guess it's not that I really try. I mean, I do try in a way, but it's, you know, I have interest in artwork. Um, as a dancer, you know, I wear a lot of artwork. So it's always been something that's been important to me to, to learn more about. And it isn't necessarily something that I grew up doing. There are a lot of forms of artwork that I didn't start to do until maybe I was a teenager, until I was a young adult. And some of this, these forms of artwork, like beading or sewing, a lot of that was actually self-taught. And maybe along the way, I've come across other artists where maybe I've asked them, you know, how, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, as, as artists, we can always get better. That's uh, something that I always keep in mind is every project I do, well, how can I make that project better? So it's a skill that's been developed over time. And even still today, I know that I can improve that. Um, but yes, I do make jewelry. Um, I do bead. Um, I do create Native American regalia, the outfits, the fabric work. Uh, one of my favorite things is uh, ribbon skirts or um, outfits for children. Um, one of the reasons, kind of funny, that I like doing ribbon skirts or I like doing uh, children's outfits is because they don't take as long as, <laughs> as some of the other art forms, some of the other, you know, um, some of the other projects. Um, and you can really get creative with them. Yeah, so um, there are a lot of art forms as well that I am interested in and learning more about. And I feel like, you know, it will come at its own time that I develop these skills or learn more about them. But I would really love to learn more about quill work. Quill work is a very traditional art amongst Lakota people in which we sew, we wrap um, with porcupine quills. We create artwork with porcupine quills. We dye those quills different colors and make designs with them. Uh, there's not that many people that still know how, but it's a skill that I, I do want to learn how to do. But it does take time, you know, and, and, it, and it probably, I would probably have to find a good teacher. Um, another art form that I would really like to learn more about is making music. As a dancer, I feel like I'm able to share my message at a greater impact if I'm able to also create the music that I dance to. Um, I do dance to a drum beat, which is very special. Amongst our Lakota culture, that drum beat represents the heartbeat of the universe, represents that connection. As a dancer, I get a positive feeling when I'm dancing to that drum beat. Um, but in expressing my own story, you know, why not add to that or why not you know, share my words or, or sing to that drum beat alongside me dancing to that. So I want to create music that I can dance to as well. I feel like that's been a goal of mine ever since I was a little girl. I wanted to sing and I wanted to make music, but I really don't know a lot about that. More and more as I travel, I meet other artists. So, you know, getting to know these other artists, it's something that's really interesting to me is, you know, well, you've heard about my thing, you know, my thing's hoop dancing. I love to hear about your thing, you know, so that's something that I really enjoy. Do you sing along to the, if the music you're dancing to has, you know, where, does it usually have pe people singing or if it has 
sing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. Um, most of the music that I dance to do does have words to it, um, but a lot of times it's in indigenous languages. Um, some of the music that I dance to isn't even in Lakota. It might be in a different Native American language or you know, First Nations language. Um, so I honestly don't always know the words um, and I don't always sing along with those words, uh, but it is something that I would love to learn more about. Um, within my family, um, there's not really any singers in my family either. You know, there wasn't any really like people that did beadwork in my family. My family does some sewing and my family does um, dancing, of course. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's, it's up to me to look to my other relatives. You know, maybe someone who's not blood related to me, but you know, my friends also around me. Look to my other relatives. Uh, really quickly, I guess while you're talking about music, uh, do you have any, you know, artists that you really like that you would want to share or recommend people listen to? Um, so my favorite drum group or one of my favorite drum groups uh, is really popular in, in this area in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Um, but Northern Cree is a drum group from up north. Um, Northern Cree, so C-R-E-E, -E, uh, drum group. They are a very popular drum group. And I think they even have a video out there of a performance that they did on the red carpets at the Grammys. So, you know, they're a really well-known drum group and you can really feel the energy when you listen to their music. So that's something that I feel as a dancer. You know, so I look for that in the music that I dance to. Uh, more recently, I found a song that I really love dancing to. Um, it's called Joe's Flow is the name of the song. Um, and it's by a drum group that is called Black Bear. Um, but my preference in music um, would be anything that's live. If I get the chance to dance to a real live drum group, that is something that is very, very special. You know, yeah. And listening to music through, um, you know, iTunes or um, through a CD, well, that's something definitely. But to hear that in real life, you can really, really feel that energy, feel that drumbeat when you're dancing to it. So that's my preference is maybe going to a powwow, be able to dance to a real live drum group. Okay. So at a powwow, do there uh, drum groups there, and then if you were doing a hoop dance, you would, do you work with, would you work with them or you just kind of, you know, feel the beat and dance? Um, so because there's not that many hoop dancers out there, it's a rare form of dance. Um, it's usually considered a, a special. So if I were wanting to hoop dance at a powwow, I would probably go and ask the arena director uh, for permission or, you know, ask them if they're able to, Know, put me in their schedule for a time when I can hoop dance um, and then I would go and and speak to a drum group there you know and then ask them hey would you be willing to sing for me if I share hoop dance with the people so you know as a sign of respect it's me going up and and, and asking for that time to do that um, I have seen it before where 
you know, there might be a hoop dancer that's feeling a drumbeat and goes out there during the song. Um, but, you know, there are special times for certain dances that are going on at powwows. Um, if it's an inner tribal dance, anybody can be out there. But the problem with that is, well, you don't know how long your song is going to be. You know, you might not have as much space for that dance. There might be many other dancers out there at the same time. Um, so how I've always went about it is, you know, going and, uh, and, and asking about it first. Thank you. Uh, this is another side question, um, but with a powwow, what it, could you explain that a little bit? And then you also mentioned intertribal powwows. Could you maybe talk about the difference? I guess one will be one tribe. So what an inner tribal is, is it's a time during a powwow in which anybody is invited out to the circle to dance. Even if you don't have a regalia, you know, doesn't matter what form of dance, you're invited out to the arena to perform to dance. So inner tribal just means, you know, many different people all gathering together to dance. Okay. Um, and Powwows, it just depends if it's a more traditional powwow, a more celebration powwow um, versus a competition powwow. Um, there are competitions sometimes that happen at powwows where there might be prizes in which they're competing for. There's judges there, but sometimes if it's not a competition powwow, you know, people are, are more of celebrating an event or, you know, um, celebrating, you know, being alive you know, or, or remembering our relatives, you know, or, or celebrating, you know, our community. Um, again, what powwows are is they're celebrations. They come together from many different directions. Powwows are usually open to the public as long as you are respectful when you're there. There's usually thousands and thousands of powwows that go on every year all across the United States and Canada. So a lot of times people aren't always aware of those powwows, um, but they are happening. And to learn more about those powwows, um, a really good resource to learn more about the powwows, about some of the dance uh, styles and their history, to learn more about powwow etiquette, uh, powwows.com. They also have a list of several different powwows on where they happen and where they, when they happen. Thank you. Um, and so recently you mentioned, you know, meeting other artists. So um, I was curious, what what is like the artist community like for you? Do you feel like you have a, a good sense of uh, artist community and like artists in any any way, shape or form? I can say that I feel like there's a lot of artists who I've met who have became friends. You know, our minds might think really similar to the point where it's like this creative idea, this creative idea, and we're just bouncing that off each other and, and thinking, hey, how could we collaborate, you know, or, or I would love to see more of your artwork, or I'd love to share some of my artwork with you. So I feel like a lot of artists have become friends of mine. Um, and there are definitely a lot of artists that I encounter, you know, time and time again. So I feel like in having a sense of community, being aware of other artists out there, um, willing to, to take in their artwork, 
you know, um, in a respectful manner as, as I know that they're taking in my form of artwork as well. Um, and, uh, and again, collaboration sometimes come of these things. Like I've had shows where it's like they, they maybe whoever's putting on the show, whoever is sponsoring the show wants more performers. Maybe they want a singer, maybe they want a flute player, maybe they want another dancer. Maybe they want someone to come in and, and sell their jewelry or sell their paintings. You know, I can think of many of my friends that I, I maybe would invite in for opportunities like that. So also sharing opportunities like that. You know, I feel like that's, that's what it feels to be a part of, you know, the, the Lakota art community. On your website, it says that you're sponsored by, or you are sponsored by uh, the South Dakota Art Council through two different programs. Um, so what is that like being sponsored um, by that art council? What, what kind of, what does that entail? I feel extremely honored to be supported by the state of South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota Arts Council. I'm on two rosters. I'm a touring artist, which helps support uh, performances, you know, my travels to these performances across South Dakota. Um, and then I'm also part of the artists in schools and communities, uh, which are residencies in which I can work, you know, somewhere with it, like a school or a camp or museum or hospital. Now they can host me for a week or more. So you know, and having a real impact with, you know, a group of individuals that I'm able to work with over the course of time, something that's very special. I get to do that through that grant. Um, I am very grateful to have these grants because uh, they do help me in my travels. It does help to make more affordable for places to bring me in. It does help to cover, you know, my expenses as an artist. So, and, and not, and it's not always that people are aware of these grants. So, you know, whenever anybody contacts me about performances, always try to let them know about these grants, you know, and their deadlines. Um, South Dakota Arts Council, they may cover up to 50% of my fee. So that really does help in traveling in South Dakota. Okay. Um, so what is it like being a traveling artists. I know, I guess, growing up, you were a traveling artist then too. Um, Is there something in particular maybe about that? Uh, sure. So um, have you had any, uh, have you gone to any interesting places or places that you found interesting um, or ha have or gone anywhere that was really impactful, like maybe more than normal? Something that I always thought about when I got the chance to travel, especially when I got the chance to fly was, wow, I want a job to where I get paid to travel. That would be really, really cool. And in my mind then, I might've thought, you know, I never probably would've thought, hey, I can be a hoop dancer when I grow up. I mean, it's always been a part of my life, but I never really thought that I'd be able to do that as a career. Um, you know, I was more thinking, you know, maybe I would, I don't know, be a flight attendant. Maybe I would, I don't know, work in, work for tour groups. 
you know, but it just would be really cool if I could travel when I get older. I always thought about that, seeing new places, meeting new people. Um, one of the places that I, I remember being able to go to, uh, which was really exciting, I was very, very young, but I got the chance to go to Austria with my family and we got to actually stay in a castle. Wow. Yeah, I remember this this beautiful castle is surrounded by roses, had these big tall trees we could climb, spiraling steps. You know, it's just like something that you you might dream about or something you might see in a movie, but that was my memory of it. So it was very, very special. Um, other places closer to home I remember traveling to. Um, I live in South Dakota, but my, my family would always take a trip down to Prescott, Arizona every year. Uh, that was always really special. Um, we went and took part in a, in a camp that was called Indian Youth of America. Um, and they teach about the culture and, and uh, get to learn about Native American games. And, and you know, it's, it's Native American youth that are being brought together and, and for fun, you know, and to pay, take part in their culture too, to meet other people. So we got to go down there every year and, and got to share our hoop dancing and do a little hoop dance workshop. But that was always something I really enjoyed doing because all the adventures that my dad would take us on the way, we'd go hiking, we'd go swimming, find little areas um, to explore, and then getting to the camp and returning back and, and, and knowing a lot of the people that were at this camp, be able to see them again. And that was something that was very special as well. So, yeah. Do they still have that camp? Have you gone back and taught if they do have it? Um, so I think the last couple of years, they okay. have not had the camp, but I'm sure that, you know, when, when things are safer, I'm sure that they'll start up the camps again. Um, but it's a camp that, that's been open for several years. I remember going to that, you know, at a, as a really, really small child. And I remember going to that uh, as a teenager. And I even went to that camp. They have one that's in the Black Hills as well. I remember going to the one in the Black Hills as a camper, too. So I got to actually be a camper at that camp. So something I, I really did enjoy doing, yeah. And then this is a little side question, but the castle you stayed in, I'm curious, was it like, what you think of like made of stone was the walls like stone yeah yeah that's what I remembered um I have I have a bad memory of trying to I was a little kid okay uh and I wanted some water so you had to go all the way down these spirally steps all the way down these long hallways and then to get water were these big glass bottles of water so then I grabbed my big glass bottle of water was climbing those stairs and I slipped and oh man the the glass breaks and, oh no and, uh, and my little hand you know gets a little cut so I remember that but yeah the stone the castle made of stone uh, I've heard this I don't know if it's true but I've heard that uh, it was Mozart's castle or it's called Mozart's castle or where he stayed there or lived there or something like that so not quite sure. I was so young when I went. I'll look it up after to see what, what pictures there are. Um, okay, we're nearing the end, but 
I also I wanted to ask you, you've mentioned beadwork or beading. Uh, could you explain that? Is that um, what what kind of art is that? Sure. So a lot of times when people think about Native American artwork, one of the things that they might think of is beadwork. I think that sometimes when we as a society think about Native American culture, sometimes we have an image of Native Americans in the past. We don't always think about Native Americans in the present as a living, breathing culture. This is a really good example of it, the beadwork, because it's not a traditional art form for our Lakota people. We think about the material that's being used in beadwork. It's made with glass beads, which we didn't have a long, long time ago. We did have other kinds of beads that we did use that were made out of more traditional, more natural materials. But it wasn't until about the 1850s that you know, we'd started to trade for these glass beads, started to incorporate them you know, into our culture, into our artwork. Um, it did become a huge part of our artwork, a huge part of our culture, because if you go to a powwow, you know, that's something that you'll definitely see is tons and tons of beadwork in which people are wearing. Um, there are several different designs when it comes to beadwork that are traditional designs that have special meaning to them. Sometimes there's family designs. Um, sometimes there's designs that represent, you know, different tribes as well. You know, a long time ago, we were able to look at someone and know what tribe they were from based on what they were wearing. Maybe certain items, certain colors, certain designs, but it's something that we can still see today's day and age with people's clothing, with their regalia. I also do wanna take this time to mention that if anybody is interested in going to a powwow, maybe they look up that website, powwows.com, they find a powwow they want to go to, um, just to mention that, uh, first of all, it's always polite to ask for permission before taking pictures or videos. You know, everybody has, you know, their own preferences. Sometimes people have you know, different beliefs about that as well. Some people just don't like photos and videos. So it's always more respectful to ask beforehand. Um, also, you know, we definitely don't want to go up and touch anybody's regalia. I feel like I've had that happen so many times at my shows where people will come up and maybe they'll touch a barrette that I'm wearing in my hair or earrings that I'm wearing. Um, you know, they see these things and, and they think they're beautiful things. So automatically they want to touch them. But, you know, we have to remember that, uh, you know, these items belong to another person and that's, you know, another person's space. So we want to be respectful of that. And of course we can ask, and that person might say yes, or they might say no. That's up to you. Just like if someone were to have an expensive pair of glasses, you say, hey, I like those. Can I look at those? Can I touch those? You know, maybe someone says, yeah, go for it. Or maybe someone says, no, nah, I paid a lot for these. I don't think so. But these are very special to me. I don't think so. You know, it might be looked at the same way. You know, our artwork can be very expensive. Or our artwork, if we're hand making our own artwork, can be very special to us, can be priceless in a way. You know, and then sometimes we do have, you know, spiritual reasons and spiritual meanings to different pieces of our regalia too. So definitely something to keep in mind when we see Native American 
about regalia or the beadwork or dancers. Thank you. Um, and so I guess how can people um, kind of get in touch with you if they're interested in, I don't know, maybe having you travel and come or uh, maybe purchasing some of your artwork that is available? Uh, how, how do people find those things? Um, so something that I acknowledge that I'm not very good at is uh, technology. That's something where I fail, um, but I'm learning and hopefully I'll get better. I can uh, start to post items on websites, um, but for now um, I do custom orders for people, uh, whether that's beadwork or whether that's, um, you know, ribbon skirts, ribbon shirts, you know, uh, different outfits, different jewelry. So I do a lot of custom work sometimes um, when it comes to performances. And always contact me as well. Something that's worked out really well is if I'm traveling really far away, it would be nice to kind of help reach out to others in the area because you know it 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 might work out for everybody if I have more performances that I can kind of visit and travel around there that can help bring me there and support you know me to come there. Um, so that works out really well for me to do as well. Um, but my website. Um, is probably the best way to reach out to me because it has all of my contact information on there. Um, there's a tab on my website that's contact that goes straight to my, my email, my business email. So um, I always respond to that within at least a couple of days. Um, so my contact information is all on there. More information about myself is on there. And also there's a really cool video on my website that was done by the South Dakota Arts Council that shows me and my dad dancing. Talks a little bit about that hoop dance. Another question about, um, I guess people can contact you about making custom, uh, custom pieces. And I was wondering when it comes to like clothing um, or even the beadwork, would you work with anybody for like a custom request or design? Because I know you've mentioned that there, you know, well, throughout history, I guess there's, you know, specific designs maybe for different groups. Um, so I was wondering if you would make pieces for anyone and then um, maybe what you won't do for people who aren't from a certain group. Um, so definitely when it comes to making regalia, definitely when it comes to items that take a lot of time, a lot of myself, my energy that goes into that, a lot of my passion that goes into that, um, I'll only make these items for myself or, you know, for my close friends or my family members. Um, it's really difficult for me to put a price on something like that. So I usually, you know, don't sell those kinds of items. Um, when it comes to things like jewelry, when it comes to things like a, a ribbon skirt um, or a ribbon shirt, I would be fine making these items for anybody. Um, and I would try to work with individuals on what kind of colors or what kind of designs that they want. And I always try to, to, to give them pictures and give them updates every step of the way. Um, the difficult thing about um, doing an order for someone is that, you know, my idea of what looks good might be different than what someone else thinks. So, it can be a challenging thing to take an order, um, but I, that, that's why I always try to maintain contact every step of the way. 
if I'm making something, they can pick, hey, I like this material better than this material. Or, you know, here's some color combinations, which ones do you like best? Or this is what I came up with before I sew it together. Is this, you know, what you'd like? So then I'm able to, you know, really give someone something that, um, you know, that, that they can almost take part in creating that piece of artwork as well by picking their colors, maybe picking their designs too. So it's a collaboration in a way, I feel like, when I do borders. Are there any upcoming events that you're going to be presenting or performing at, maybe even online things? Yeah, so one of the exciting things that I'm doing during this time is I'm slowly working my way through the Rapid City Area School District. Um, they have 23 schools, I believe, in their district. So I get to work with every single one. And it's super exciting because something that I've never done before. And it's right here at home. Um, other places sometimes that I'll work with is I have been invited to Sanford Hospital in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for several times um, to work with Sanford Arts. That's been, you know, uh, I, I'm grateful for that opportunity and that work I'm able to do in the hospital there. Um, otherwise, if someone would like to see a performance, they're in the area here, they can always go up to Crazy Horse Memorial during the summers because I will probably be there this summer and for hopefully many summers to come. Um, during the summertime, there's always Native American dancers there or performers there or artists there. They always have someone there that's willing to share about their culture. Um, and if you want to see my hoop dance, you can always call ahead and just say, hey, when is Star Chief Eagle gonna be there? And then we can plan your trip out. But otherwise, many other talented artists out there as well. Um, okay, the last two questions. So, and I think you mentioned this a little bit, but if I were to ask you how to define art, how would you uh, personally, you know, define it? So, yeah, so I think I talked about this a, a little bit earlier, um, but when it comes down to creativity, you know, the result of that creativity, you know, what you're, you're able to produce, you know, can be considered artwork and that can come in many different forms. And it can be through songwriting, through, through painting, through drawing, through dancing. You know, there's so many different forms of artwork, you know, and, and me as an artist, I'm very, very interested in learning about other forms of artwork that are out there that maybe I'm not as aware of. And the final question is, um, do you have any, you know, closing thoughts, anything that maybe we weren't able to cover that you wanted to share? Uh, I, the last closing thought that I have is, you know, again, for us to, to remember that, you know, through our actions, through our words, um, that we do have power to, you know, uplift other individuals, you know, through, through, those words, those actions, um, you know, just just through a compliment, you know, just by, you know, taking the time to, to ask about how someone's day is going, you know, maybe extending help to someone, you know, we can really help another person, you know, through these small gestures of kindness. Um, so just for us to remember to be kind to each other, to be respectful um, of each other, um, main part of the hoop dance, main part of Lakota culture. Um, and, and I believe that we can all really connect with that. So 
again, um, thank you all relatives. All my relatives. Um, thank you. I will see you guys again. So we'll visit with you guys again. Bye.